Good morning. The Bible reading this morning is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 15 to 24. Luke 14, verses 15 to 24. The parable of the great banquet. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is God's word. Hello, everybody. Uh, For those who don't know me, my name's Matt. Uh, I'm one of the the pastors here, and because Andrew's gone down to Nara, I get the the joy, responsibility, privilege of bringing us God's word today. But this is something we very much do together. Sure, I'm up here doing the talking, but together we're coming before God's word. And so I'm going to pray as we do, as we dig into what Jesus has to say to us. Our good and our gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. We thank you that as we look at the life and the works and the words of Jesus, that they are life, that he is life. We ask this morning that as I preach and that as we engage with your word, that your spirit will be at work, that my words will be yours and that you will shape us more into the likeness of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, for all of us, we get invited uh, to plenty of things. Some big things, some small things. And we also have obligations that we are committed to. Go to work or things with family, uh, whatever it may be. Not all these things we're overly keen on. So sometimes we have to make some excuses. Sometimes these excuses are made up. Sometimes they're quite real. Uh, And it got me thinking, what are some of the more funny or interesting excuses that people have got to get out of something? So I did a bit of Googling, and on Reddit, I found uh, some things. And these are my favorites. Someone working as an apartment manager said, I've heard every excuse under the sun for for rent being late. But the most creative was, I only had half the rent, so I went to the casino to see if I could try double my money. Someone in, in high school, teenager, said to their teacher, sorry, I've got to leave early for Quidditch practice. She let them leave, not knowing, having heard of that sport. Someone said, I was an hour late to my appointment for a sleep disorder clinic. The reason? She overslept. Miss, I lost my homework fighting a kid who said you were the worst teacher in the school. And my favourite one was, my cousin once called, 
uh, into work, uh, called out of work because of a death in the family. I was the boss. Yeah, it took a while. You got there, you got there. Excuses. Some are real, some are silly, some are very genuine. Now, in the parable of the great banquet, Jesus tells that there's been these open invitations. Open invitations that have been given out. Some give excuses, but some accept the invitation. But it's the unlikely ones who come. It is the unlikely ones that have a seat at the table. Together in the morning services, we've been going through a series of the parables. The parables that Jesus gives in the Gospel of Luke. We've looked at two already. David brought us uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and last week, Angela was looking at the parable of the rich fool. All the parables in Luke, in some way, shape, or form, are describing something about the kingdom of God. Something about the kingdom of God, particularly about who Jesus is and who he came for and what the kingdom of God is like. And the parable of the great banquet does exactly that. In many ways, it's quite a simple parable. It was read for us before. But in very typical Jesus fashion, it's a parable that kind of cuts to the heart, but yet draws the soul, it draws the body. And so as we explore this parable, we're going to see that Jesus is going to challenge us, but invite us. It's a parable that kind of bridges those who are devout followers of Jesus to those who are seeking him and to those who are refusing him. It's a parable that is for all of us. So let me kind of set the context, paint the scene, because we jumped into the middle of something. We jumped into the middle of a conversation. When you look at chapter 14, we see that Jesus is at his own kind of banquet. It's not his. Uh, he's at one at, the, at a Pharisee's house, a prominent Pharisee. So with him is relatively rich people, people who are high up in Jewish society. Now, in typical Jesus fashion, again, there's tension in the room. Jesus has been teaching them, and they're on edge. He's teaching things, challenging them. And he gets to this part in verse 12 where he says, when you have a banquet, have a big party, something like that, don't invite your friends and your family, your relatives, the higher people in society. They can repay you. No. Invite the crippled, the poor, the lame, and the blind. Then you'll be blessed and repaid, not now, but at the resurrection of the righteous. Repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And someone at the table pipes up. They get a bit excited. Perhaps they want to cut the tension. Either way. And they come up and they say, Blessed is the one who will feast at the kingdom of God. Blessed is the one who will feast at the kingdom of God. See, he being a Jewish man, along with all the others, is anticipating a feast. Anticipating when God comes, the Messiah comes, and his kingdom comes. It's pictured like a banquet. He's particularly referring to Isaiah 25. And it's worth reading for us. It's a prophecy that Isaiah is giving from the Lord to the people. And he says, The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast, a, rich, a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, uh, the finest of wines. And on this mountain he will destroy the shrewd and that enfolds all peoples, the sheets that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all their faces. He will remove the people's disgrace from all the earth. That is what this man, what the Jews, what the Pharisees, they're anticipating. They're looking forward to a feast. You smell it. 
You can taste it. It's an experience. Not just an idea. They're looking forward to it. A lavish, decadent delight that God is going to bestow graciously on his people, removing their disdain. But Jesus is not so certain that these Pharisees are going to be at that feast. So he sees this as his invitation. This is Jesus' invitation to give the parable of the great banquet. And so the parable begins. Do have your Bibles open in front of you. Because just as Jesus is at a feast, they're talking about the feast which is to come. Jesus talks about the feast that a man gives. The master's preparing a feast and he's sending out the invitations. Verse 16, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and he's invited many guests. Then at the time of the banquet, he sent the servant to tell those who have been invited, come, come, for now everything is ready. It is time. Now in the context of that day, before emails and text messages and Instagram and TikTok and all that whiz-bang jazz, you had two invitations that would go out to people. The first invitation would be like, okay, come, I've got a party, it's on, I want you there. Are you going to come? Are you not? RSVP to me. Then the master would know, okay, I've got this amount of people coming, so I need this amount of food, this amount of drink, it's small, it's large, it's these kind of people. But they don't know, long, they don't know how long it's going to be to prepare the meal. They've just said, yes, I'm going to come to it. So they need to wait for the second invitation. Yes, it's ready, come. And then they come to the feast. No date set, but then they need the second invitation. It's coming. Now, in the story of the Bible, this picture here is very similar to the prophecy and then the coming of the kingdom of God, the coming of the Messiah. See, the Jews, they've got the first invitation. They're literally waiting for the kingdom of God. They're waiting for the Messiah to come, waiting to hear, come, everything is now ready. So as they listen to this story, They're expecting, okay, it's now time for the people to come. But as the invitations go out, the invitations are refused. Instead of coming to the banquet, instead of coming and enjoying the feast together, they refuse. From verse 18, they all alike began to give excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another, I just got married, so I can't come. Whole heap of different excuses. I think it's worth diving into these for a moment because these excuses are very much relevant to the first century Pharisee, but just as relevant to the 21st century person living in suburban Sydney. The first one was, I've just brought a field and I need to go inspect it. For them, it kind of sounds a bit like a lame excuse first off, right? Now, because no one would buy a field without having first inspected it. You'd look at it. Say, like, if you were going to buy a house, you wouldn't just say to someone, okay, go buy that house for me somewhere. You'd look at the house. You'd know where it is. You know how big it is, how many rooms. You'd buy it. You, You know what it's like. You don't need to go and inspect it again. So in that sense, it sounds a bit like a lame excuse that he's got to go inspect the field that he's already brought. However, a field is a very expensive purchase. This is big finances on the line for this person who's rejected the invitation. What is going on here is that this is a financial excuse. The allure of money, of wealth, of estate, of, a, of investment. 
Those things have trumped the invitation. The guest is saying, my money, my investment is more important to me than the host's banquet. It's not worth it for me. The next person, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Now again, like the field, this would come across a little bit abrupt. Uh, It sounds a little bit odd. Because no one would buy five pairs of oxen without first having tried them out. Oxen, the big cows, they plow fields. So you'd want to make sure the oxen work. If they've got different strengths, that's not ideal. If they're different heights, that's not ideal. So you definitely want to know, if you're buying an oxen, that you're onto the good gear here. So just like if you were buying a car, you'd go out and test it first. You give it a test drive to make sure. There's no need for you then to have bought it and test drive it again. That's what's going on here. However, oxen plowing the fields, a significant job. Five oxen, he's got a big job, whether it's his fields or someone else. This is a significant occupation that he has. It's a big investment. Maybe he's just committed to his job. Whether it's to plow his fields or someone else's, this is an occupational excuse. Like this man, we all have jobs. In some way, shape or form, we're doing work. And those things are important. Jesus is not against the work. But like what this excuse is doing, is saying the job, the career, that's more important than the host's invitation. That's more important than the banquet, and so he declines. The next one is, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, unlike the fields and unlike the oxen, this one has a little bit of grit in the Old Testament, in what the Jews uh, were, were basing their life on. In Deuteronomy, back in the, the beginning of uh, the Bible, it says that when a man marries their wife, they can have a year off military service. They just stay at home. So it's like, oh, maybe does this extend going to banquets? I don't know. I don't know how you'd feel as a banquet man, uh, being rejected in that respect. This is not military duty. This is a party. But in the same breath, a husband is to love their wives incredibly. Families are important. Perhaps family was too important for this man. The family was more important than attending the host banquet. Finances, occupation, family. They were the reasons. They were the excuses. They were too important. And they turned down the invitation. Now, are they valid excuses? Are they valid excuses? What does Jesus say? He makes no comment. He doesn't say whether they're valid or not. What's important is that they declined. Their finances, occupations, and families were more important to them. The banquet was not worth it. They didn't recognize the value. There are some people that have had uh, bitcoins years ago now sitting in their computer, didn't know how much they were worth, and the bitcoin value went up incredibly huge amounts. They didn't know how much it was worth. For these people, they didn't know how valuable the banquet is worth. They don't know how much uh, Jesus is inviting them to. Now, it's really important, I think it's helpful for, for me to say here, that Jesus, God, incredibly values family and our work uh, and what we can do with our finances. God is not against those things. But it's extremely important that they're put in the right place Jesus is deeply concerned in transforming our attitudes to them so we can use them and enjoy them in the best ways possible. 
However, Jesus is asking for us to have him as number one. These things of life can prevent us from accepting God's invitation. Because if you remember here, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about the invitation that is to salvation, to life. Jesus is talking, John, about life to the full. So Jesus, I think, is being super clever here. Well, he's God, of course he is. Because the excuses seem silly, but they're certainly not trivial. These things present some of the biggest blockers uh, to the guest, to the Pharisees, and to us today. The essentials of our life can be some of the biggest blockers to the invitation that God has given us to his banquet. So we naturally ask ourselves, what's our excuse? What are our excuses? What might be our reasons? What might be the reasons of our friends, of our family, that we would decline Jesus' invitation? Now we've received it. What's our reaction? What's our reflex? Does something else kind of capture your imagination, capture your attention, got to turn from it? It draws you, stopping you from accepting the invitation from God. Maybe it is those three things, money, finances, uh, your job, family. Maybe it is you just don't trust Jesus, not trusting the host. Maybe there are genuine questions, serious, good, genuine questions that prevent you from accepting the invitation. Perhaps there's past hurt that's gone on from when you've been at a church. Perhaps following Jesus, it genuinely doesn't seem worth it. There's greater things that you can see in this life. Eternity doesn't seem real. Why would I change my life for a potential lie? Maybe it's like the excuse is, well, I'll lose friends if I follow Jesus. That's a big deal. Relationships are enormous for us as people. Perhaps it's just simply, I don't care. I don't care about the invitation. Every single one of us has a reason. I have reasons. You have reasons. We could have excuses as to why we want to turn down the invitation. So the question is not whether or not you have a reason. The question is not whether or not you have an excuse. The question is whether you will use it. The question is, is Jesus worth it or not? Because when we fail to recognize the extreme value, when we fail to recognize Jesus as Lord, then of course we'll be like the guests who give excuses, who are going to refuse the invitation. But just like God, the parable doesn't end here. God and the man who is the host of this banquet continues to send out the invitations. The invitations continue to go out. They have been refused, but they continue to be sent. Verse 21, the servant came back, reported all these excuses to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered the servants, go out quickly to the fields, the alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. To those who never get invited to anything. To those who literally smell the banquets of next door. Who watch everybody walk into them and never them to hear the music, but never dance. To them, the master says, go get them. Go get them. I want them at my party. That is so, that is Jesus all over. That is Jesus all over. To the blind, the crippled, the poor and the lame, bring them in. The kingdom of God belongs to people such as these. This is the upside down nature of the kingdom of God. The marginalized of society are brought right into the center. 
The great banquet is for the oppressed, for those who are downcast in society. So they're invited. Bring them. Bring them in. But the invitation doesn't stop there. The host continues. The invitations keep going from verse 22. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done and there's still more room. Then the master told the servant, okay, go out to the roads, to the country lanes, to the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I desire them to come in to this banquet. The host continues to send out the invitation to everyone, all corners of society. Now, in the context of what's going on here in the Bible, and we see this particularly as Luke continues his, um, his writings and talks in Acts, the gospel goes to the Gentiles, goes outside the city walls. That's what's uh, going on here in the storyline of the Bible. To people like us, we are invited to this banquet. Everyone is. But did you notice that there was a, a different word that was used here? It wasn't simply just invite them. It was compel them. Compel them to come. Now, why would they be needed to compelled to come to the feast? It sounds like a wonderful thing to go to. Why would they need to be compelled? In the culture of that day, if you were to receive an invitation that was unexpected, you would be expected to decline it. I know that sounds a bit backwards. But an unexpected invitation, you'd be expected to decline it. Because you're like, well, does the feast, does the, the master of the feast really want me? Is this thing worth going to? Like, why would I give up my time for this thing? I haven't heard about it before. Why would I come? But the host saying, compel them. He's saying, do everything in your means possible to invite them, to draw them, answer their questions, tell them how good it is. Say, I'm invited, come on too. Do all you can to get them to the party. Now, there's certainly not a justification for forcing them or coercing them or anything like that. No, it's a loving call to mission, to be winsome, to be gentle, but to be respectful, but to be compelling, to be attractively different. God, Jesus, is representative of the host. He desires all people to come, and he's calling us, invite everyone to the salvation that he brings. The invitation goes out to those who aren't worthy, to those who think they're not worthy, they are invited. They are blessed to be part of the, the feast. And then Jesus concludes the parable. And perhaps with an obvious, but yet very cutting reality for those who refused. In verse 24, I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Those who were invited, they refused. It was open to them. People who've received the invitation but refused, it's not like they weren't invited. They were invited but refused, so therefore they don't get to taste. They don't get to experience the beauty, the delight that is of the kingdom of God. And therein lies the shock of the parable. Those who are invited first are the ones who refused, and they don't get to experience the joy. But then those who are invited second and third and continue on, they hear the invitation and accept delight. Now, we have to be careful here not to presume well, no Jews are ever going to get into the kingdom of God. Not at all. Paul, classic example, one who as a Jew hated God, rejected the invitation initially, but then accepted Jesus uh, as his Lord and his Savior. Because Jesus is teaching here that salvation is a gracious gift. The feast is beautiful, it's delightful, it's glorious, but it is an absolute gift, the grace of God. We don't earn it, we're not worthy 
The feast doesn't have to happen. But God, in his love and his delight, and his care for us, extends the invitation. He prepares the feast. It's a gracious invitation, and it's in our hands now. The invitation is in our hands. All these years later, those servants have gone down the highways and the byways, the roads and lanes. It's continued to spread to us, to many thousands, billions of people around the world. So the question is, will you accept the invitation? Will you accept the invitation? For those of us here who haven't accepted it yet, it's wonderful that you're here. So I hope you feel welcomed and it's wonderful that you are. That invitation is for you. You think you're unworthy. You think that God doesn't care. He is saying, and there's so many other parts of the Bible, where his love for you is more than you can imagine. That the hope, the glory that is now, but even more in the future is unimaginable. And he's telling you, come. Jesus is inviting you. I'm inviting you. Your friends are inviting you. Now, perhaps there's a range of excuses, so please keep investigating. Talk to your friends who brought you. Ask one of us as the pastors. Chat to someone else here at the church. Know that God loves you. Keep investigating. And to those who have accepted, be delighted. Experience the joy that that is. But also, let the invitation shape your life. When you literally get an invitation to something, say it's a wedding invitation or something of, of significance to you, what do you do with that invitation? You plan your life around it, don't you? You think about what you're going to wear. You think about the present that you're going to give. You think about how you're going to get there. You put it in your diary. You put reminders on your fridge. That invitation shapes what you do. You turn down other things to make sure you go to that. In our Christian life, let the invitation that God has given us, that we've accepted, shape your life. If you if helpful things are putting literal reminders, helpful things like reading God's word with people, the classics, but that is the things that continue us on the invitation uh, that God has sent us on. But then just as much as we have the invitation, will you extend the invitation? Who is it you're going to extend the invitation to? Did you notice at the end of that parable that it didn't really end? The servant didn't come back a third time. He continues to go out, it seems. The mission is continuing to go on. See, Jesus is not a bad storyteller. People are still being invited. And we are those people who are saying, I've been invited, I've accepted. Will you come? The invitation is for you too, not just for me. It is for all people. So where have you been sent? Literally, where is it that God has sent you? Some of us can feel like, well, I'm not sent anywhere. We trust in a sovereign God. It is not by accident that you are where you are. In the nursing home, you, the house across the street, you moved here last year because you needed to for work. God is sovereign. God has sent you somewhere. We are sent people. And it's the schools, it's the workplaces, it's the social settings. Where are the highways and the byways, the roads and the lanes that you've been sent? And then to who? To who have you been sent to? Like specifically, who are they? 
friends, the family, the work colleagues, the soccer mums, the soccer dads, the people you do craft with, whoever it may be. Who have you been sent to? And of course, be willing and ready for whoever God brings along your way and lovingly, winsomely compelling them to come to the invitation. It's not our banquet that we're going to, it's God's banquet. Beautiful salvation, delight, relationship with him for now and into eternity. So can I suggest a practice for you? The servant goes out three times, so just to use three. Think of, write down, pray for three people. Specifically three people. Maybe it's three places that these people are in. Maybe you have more or less. The number is arbitrary. The servant goes out three times, so I've picked three. You can pick more. Who are they? Write them down. Maybe you want to literally write an invitation. Actually, give it to them. But for yourself, I'm inviting X, Y, and Z to the great banquet, to God's great banquet. And amongst it all, we remember what we're inviting them to. We're not inviting them to this dull kind of external experience that is out there or some world of ideas. We're inviting them to God, the God who hosts the great banquet, salvation which is material and experiential, it's individual, it's communal, an experience which fuels the senses and will be even greater in the life to come. So friends, delight in that you have been invited. Delight that you've been invited into the great banquet, the kingdom of God. Accept the invitation. And then go and continue to extend the invitation. An invitation to life, to forgiveness, to salvation. An invitation that nothing in this world can ever compare to. Let me pray for us. Our Father God, Jesus, the host of the banquet, thank you so much that you've invited us. Thank you that you are going to throw the feast, that you are going to wipe away our, our shame, our sin, our pain, our brokenness, and you bring delight in part now and even greater way into eternity. Father, by your Spirit, draw us to yourself. Please help us to accept the invitation that you've given us and then compel us to keep extending that for your glory uh, and the growth of this church and the blessing of this world. In Jesus' name, amen.